Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung Sung, and I'm joined by my co-host here and good friend, Nick Jurgelis, or we call him Los. Thanks, Mung. I'm glad to be here. Now, you and I have been talking fantasy football for years, and I'm excited to finally share some of our thoughts with our listeners. You ready to talk some fantasy football today? Oh, yeah, man. I'm more than ready. I'm already in withdrawal ever since the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't even know what to do with my Sundays anymore. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you and I always talk fantasy on the phone, and, you know, we've both played for years now, and we know our, we know our stuff pretty well, or at, at least we think we do. <laughs> um, uh, quick shout-out, too, to our producer, Dan Green. Without him, uh, we'd probably be recording this on our phones, and it'd sound like crap. Hey, guys. All right, that was Dan. Um, so real quick before we get into it, um, if you want to talk fantasy tidbits or, you know, ask us any specific questions afterwards, uh, you can follow all three of us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at FFA underscore Mung, that's M-E-N-G, and you can follow Los at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S, and you can follow Dan at FFA underscore Dan. Um, you can also email questions to us um, to ffapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, obviously, we're just starting out here, so any feedback that you guys have for us to make this podcast better for you as listeners uh, is more than welcome. All right, then let's do it. On today's show, we're going to break down just about every noteworthy free agent there is. We're going to talk about each free agent, potential landing spots for them, and how each free agent staying or going to a new team is going to impact their fantasy production, as well as the fantasy value and production of their teammates at different skill possessions. Let's kick it off with some free agent running backs. Mung, who do you got for us? Well, I mean, I think obviously uh, the most important guy out there that everybody wants to know uh, about is DeMarco Murray. Um, you know, I think it's pretty unlikely that he's going to stay in Dallas uh, quite honestly, they just don't have the money to keep him. They've only got about, currently about, you know, eight million cap space. And even even if that, you know, increases to 140 mil or whatever it's going to be, that's still not very much wiggle room. Yeah, I agree with you here. Uh, Des Bryant made about three million last year. He should jump. Uh, they're looking to grab him with a franchise tag from everything I've been reading, and that'll bump him another 10 mil. So Murray's all but out. Yeah, I mean, not to mention that their defense needs a ton of help right now. You know, they uh, they couldn't even get to Rodgers in that playoff game when he was all gimpy, so they need some pass rushers, and they need to upgrade that secondary a lot. All right, so, I mean, obviously with Murray, a lot of it is the concerns about wear and tear because he had almost 400 rushing attempts last year. Um, do you think that, you know, teams are going to kind of shy away from him because of that? Or do you think he's still going to get a pretty good contract somewhere? I think everybody's got it in the back of their mind that he's touched the ball over 400 times last year, which is out of this world for a running back in this day and age. Um, but you can't forget that last year is the first year that he's actually played all team game. Uh, in 2013, he played 14. 2012, he played 10. And in his first year, he was only available for 13. So this is a guy with significant injury concern in his past. 
And with all these touches, sure, he's shown that he can be a workhorse back, and he should be paid accordingly. But you just have to keep that in the back of your mind, that if you draft this guy or if you sign this guy, you've got to think that he's probably going to miss two or three games this year at least. Yeah, well, all right. First, I want to address the small, small chance that he does remain with Dallas. Even if he does, I'm still not going to be drafting him high in fantasy because look at what happened with LaShawn McCoy this year. You know, last year he set records and he was, you know, far and away the best fantasy running back. Um, But the problem is, you know, even with a powerhouse offensive line like the one in Dallas right now, you know, injuries are going to happen. Look at what happened this year when Shady, you know, had three, four injuries to the line. You know, that immediately impacts their production. So that being said, I think that Murray is very likely to be gone next year. Um, I think personally, obviously Jacksonville has the money, but also do they really have faith in guys like Storm Johnson and Gerhardt? And even though Denard Robinson did pretty well for a few games, is he is he really a back that's gonna that's gonna carry you? You know, don't they want someone like Murray? To, to pound the ball and, you know, give Bortles or put less pressure on Bortles to win games. Yeah, I think it's without question that Murray would be a, a, a step step above, step in the right direction, above Denard Robinson, above Toby Gerhardt, above Jordan Todman. Um, that said, they have problems with their own line, too. And I think if he goes to a place like Jacksonville, he's probably just going to be swallowed up in the backfield. I think it's easy to say that now, but Jacksonville's got $60 million in cap space. You know, I, I think they're going to go out and they're going to either sign sign some tackles or, or they're going to draft draft some guys pretty highly to try to shore that up. But That's, that's still assuming a lot, though. Like, they've got to get those people, they have to pan out, and, and Murray has to go there. Absolutely, I, I totally agree with that. But I'm just looking at the top teams that have cap space right now to spend. You know, the Jaguars seem pretty likely because, you know, the Raiders have almost 50 mil, but they seem to be pretty, pretty happy with Latavius Murray. And obviously, I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to be their three down workhorse next year, but, you know, they at least have, you know, a bit of a foundation with Murray. And also, you know, the Browns have a ton of money, but they, they did pretty well with Crowell and West. You know, do, do they really want to spend a ton of money on a guy like Murray? No, I agree there. I think the Browns are fine with, with their tandem they've got there. That's the way the league's moving to a not one running back system, and they got decent enough production out of the two of them. Um, I'd be excited if I was in the Oakland for Murray. I know this is the same song and dance they play a lot, uh, getting pretty excited about players that look great, but Murray, I think he looks like the real deal. I don't really think they have – Latavius Murray, I mean, looks like he's the real deal. I don't think they have any reason to uh, – after DeMarco. One team with a, with a good deal of cap room sitting there that I think is very interesting is the Colts. What do you think about if the Colts were to uh, make a jump and grab DeMarco? You know, honestly, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that because Murray seems like the kind of guy where he needs a bunch of touches to kind of get a rhythm going. And, I mean, do you really want to take... Obviously, you don't want luck throwing the ball 50 times a game, but, you know, I, I think that they should keep formulating their offense around luck, not not the run game. I mean, obviously, it's important to establish a run, but 
I don't know that they're ever going to be, you know, a run first team that tries to tries to run down the clock. I think you put the ball in Luck's hands and, and trust him to do what, what he needs to do. I don't know. You trust Tom Brady with the ball or no? Absolutely. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And my point is the Patriots have been near the top in the league in, in rushing averages uh, for the past few years. That's They get off the ground rushing the ball. But you think Tom Brady is lighting up the scoreboard, of course, with Gronk and everything. But they, they grind it out. They run the ball with the tops. I, I get that. But I think part of that, too, is that, you know, Brady's so much older that, you know, I don't know if he physically could throw it that many times a game and be effective. Whereas... You know, obviously you don't want luck, you know, chucking it downfield every every play. But at the same time, you know, like I said, I think Murray's really, you know, first, second down, you want to pound it and then, you know, have luck become more of a play action guy, which he isn't. Okay. Well, how about if you take it from this angle? Murray last year accrued 64 targets from Romo, had 57 catches, only seven, seven missed targets on that. Luck threw the ball 114 times to his running backs between the four guys he targeted out of the backfield last year. Imagine if some of those went to Murray and he got to make a little magic happen with that. Yeah, I, I see where you're going, but my question, I guess, is you know how much of that was because they couldn't establish a run game? All those dump-offs to Heron and Bradshaw were, in large part, I think, because Trent Richardson was just completely ineffective. Well, yeah, we can't argue with that, obviously. Trent Richardson <laughs> has no place starting in the NFL, Can we, can we just not even former... talk about him right now? I, I don't want to deal <laughs> just, with this. Just don't yeah. bring his name up? Okay. Yeah, we, we can agree on that. That's fine. And, well, just looking at Indy, this is jumping forward a little bit. I think they're probably going to bring Bradshaw back. But if they don't, I think Murray would be an excellent excellent starter. And if Heron compliment him, that would just be magic in the making. You know, I, I, obviously that would be a great landing spot, especially in fantasy. Um but I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't bring Bradshaw back. They're not going to have to pay him a whole lot. And, you know, his injury concerns are there. But if, if you, you know, keep him as a, as a complimentary back, there's no reason they, they wouldn't re-sign Bradshaw. Um, now, I want to pose another interesting potential landing spot for DeMarco Murray. And that is sure. the New York Jets. Now, right now they're sitting on about <laughs> right now they're sitting on about 45 million cap space. Now, it's a lot of right, money. And obviously they just decided not to, you know, exercise that option on Chris Johnson. Now right. they've they've still got Chris Ivory there. Um, I don't remember mm-hmm. how many years exactly he's got left on his contract, but I, I believe it's at least another one or two years. Sure. Now sure. the question is, who who are they going to bring in to you know be play that other role with Ivory? Um, I, actually, you know, I think Ivory's only got one one year left on his contract. But you know, I think Murray is someone that they should definitely look into because you, like I said, on the other hand, um, you know, while the Colts want to formulate their offense and their attack. You know, through luck, I don't. I don't know that if you're the New York Jets, you want to have Geno Smith touching the ball a ton. If if anything, you should, you know, be helping him with a, a power run attack. That I agree with. But Ivory had relative success with Geno Smith last year. He had 4.1 yards per carry on a hundred, about 200 carries last year. Grabbed another 18 out of the backfield. 
which to me shows he can handle a bit of a workload. If you're bringing DeMarco Murray in, he's going to be your three-down back. When you have Chris Ivory already, I feel like all you need is another timeshare back in the backfield with him, unless you want to move your offense forward. And I can't really speak on the Jets' new coaching uh, system as to what they're going to want to do with the running back system. But that's just my take there. I mean, the rumor is right now that they're they're going to try to move to more of a spread offense because, one, you know, that gets guys like if, if Harvin returns and Decker, that gives them more room to, to stretch the field. And also, you know, Geno Smith was did pretty well at, uh, where did he go, Western Virginia? West Virginia? I believe yeah, West that's Virginia. where he went. And, uh, you know, he, he did a lot better operating out of a spread offense than he did, you know, a more traditional NFL offense, and I think that that might help him out a lot, too. But he's going to need good wideouts to help that system and unclog the backfield. So if the backfield's still clogged, you're still you're still keying on Murray and stop. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true, but I guess in general, you, you have a little bit more faith in Geno Smith than I, than I do. That That is true. I, uh, I did pick up Geno Smith a little, in a few leagues <laughs> last year. How did that work out for you? I well, you know, they they were future plays. They didn't exactly turn out um, as well as one might think. But he did have a few 15-plus-point 15 15 point games last year, so that's got to count for something, right? I mean, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, like Rex Grossman back in 06. He did sort of okay Yeah, sometimes. that's another name we're going to try to not mention on this podcast. <laughs> okay, I guess we can, we, we can as, do that. As Chicago fans, we've, we've, had our, our, we've had more than enough conversations about Rex Grossman. Yeah, we'll try not to drone on that too much. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on from Murray. Who uh, who's a who's a free agent running back that you want to talk about? <clears throat> well, in my opinion, the number two running back free agent in this class is Mark Ingram out of New Orleans. Um, New Orleans is in dire straits with their cap situation. They're like twenty three mil over right now. It seems uh, by my calculations. And Mark Ingram is just going to be on his way out. Because A, he showed he can carry a workload. B, because of that, he's going to want to get paid. And he's not going to be able to get paid in New Orleans. Um, I think a good landing spot for him, actually, is the team we just talked about, Dallas. Um, now, Dallas is about to lose Murray, as we talked about already. And Ingram just showed he could handle a bit of a workload. Yeah, I mean, do you... Speaking of Ingram, do you think that the reason he didn't really get that many carries until this year is a product of Sean Payton's offense or because he just didn't show much until now? I think it's a little bit of both. Sean Payton's offense spreads the ball around to a lot of wideouts. And he used a lot of uh, running backs in the backfield. I think it was last year only Pierre Thomas was back there. He grabbed about 70 balls, more or less. So that doesn't uh, leave much in terms of letting Ingram get out there. Um, Ingram got out there, toted the ball on his own with 226 carries, snagged about 30 out of the backfield, 4.3 yards per rush. He only had uh, three fumbles on the year. In all so he just showed that he was a reliable back and that Sean Payton lead on him when he needed to. Well, all right. I mean, I, I think part of the th- part of the problem is that people always said that Mark Ingram couldn't catch the ball, but I think I think he disproved that pretty well this year. I think it was more oh, yeah. more the product of the system that they had specific, you know, faster guys 
like Cadet or uh, or Pierre Thomas to do that more effectively. But I, th- I think Ingram is just fine as a receiving back as well. Sure. We can't forget that they had Sproles before, too, and getting him on the backfield opened up a spot for uh, Ingram yeah, as well. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the Saints are, are regretting that decision after what he did in Philadelphia. Yeah, he, he did have a nice little year for himself down there. You know, I mean, what, what are the odds that Ingram, um, you know, you mentioned the Colts earlier and their need for a running back. I, I think Ingram would be a better better fit for the Colts um, than Murray just because of the fact that, you know, they're going to have Heron. They're, they're, I think they're likely to re-sign Bradshaw. So those guys can fill the passing down, you know, back role. And, you know, Ingram is more of more of that, you know, power runner that can really kind of, you know, get you those, you know, fourth and short or, you know, whatever it might be situations where he would be a better complement because of the fact that Murray would want more of a workhorse role. But the question I have there is, is Indy going to want to pay Ingram the money that Ingram wants just to use him as a complimentary back? Ingram's probably going to command somewhere between the 3 and a half to $5 million range in this year. And are you going to pay that just, just to get those short yards? All right. But, I mean, you, th- you think that teams aren't going to be a little wary about, you know, Mark Ingram's injury history either? You know, he's, he's missed some time in the past, too. And, you know, this year he had that fractured arm that took him out for a few games. Of course, any smart GM is going to be paying attention to that. And they know what they're paying for when they're getting these players if they've done their due diligence, which if they're not, then they probably shouldn't be hired in this league. Yeah, I mean, I guess probably, again, you might be a little higher on Ingram than I am. You know, I, I like him as a player, and I, I think he's he's a good running back, but I, I don't know that he's going to be a 2,000-yard rushing candidate or anything like that. No, I don't think so either, because even with as many touches as he had, he still had 200 less targets than Murray did. Uh, than DeMarco Murray did alone last year. So even if Dallas brings him in, they're going to have to expand Randall or Dunbar into an, into a bigger role or find some other running back to take care of the rest of the workload. Um, if, like you said for Indianapolis, if they don't bring back Bradshaw, I think Indy would be a great target for him, and he'd be a great compliment to Dan Heron. Indy, we can get into this later, in the, but um, they leaned on Heron heavily in the playoffs, and he did pretty well for him. Well, again, how much of uh, that is due to the inability of he who must not be named? Um, and, you know, how much of that was desperation that they had to turn to Heron and, and Zerline Tipton? But desperation can breed success. I mean, you don't know what you have until you trot it out there, and Heron... Yeah, but I, I think it, it speaks a little bit to, you know, also Heron had, just a side note, I, I think Heron had a little, some fumbling issues as well, so I don't know if they're going to work that out or how, you know, how much they're going to trust him going forward. Um, y- you know, an- another guy I want to talk about is C.J. Spiller. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I, honestly, I'm not sure what I think about C.J. Spiller at this point, because... He had that one year in 2012 where he just blew up, and then he's failed to do anything since then. Yeah, there's a there's only really one thing to think about C.J. Spiller. Tons of talent, tons of letdown. 
uh, was it one or two years ago? They were going to feed him until he feed him the ball until he threw up. I think is what they said, and that didn't exactly pan out because he didn't exactly pan out. Right, um, and and part of that is is because of what you know Doug Marone tried to do there. I mean, he Spiller is not a guy that you run between the tackles. I don't I don't know who thought that would be a good idea, but. You know, he's someone that you want to get out in space. You want to make use of his agility and his just insane speed to, to try to get that home run play. He's not a guy that you're, you're pounding every play, you know. And, and honestly, I, do you think he stays in Buffalo? No, I don't think there's any way that he stays in Buffalo anymore. His time there is, has finished... He just needs a little bit of change of scenery, I think. Sometimes a change of scenery does help people quite a bit, and I think he could be a good candidate for that. Um, on top of him is running outside of the tackle skill. He's shown that he can be an effective receiver out of the backfield. Uh, he had 33 catches two years ago, 19 this last year, but, his, but obviously he only played nine games last year. Um, in 2012, he had 43 catches, so he has, he has sure hands. And on top of those 43 catches, he had 460 yards on top of that. So he's shown that he can be maybe like a Vereen type of uh, complimentary back or something. Where do you think somebody like that could land right now? <laughs> well, you mentioned Vereen. You think New England has any interest in uh, C.J. Spiller? No, only because they're not going to want to pay him. That's true. Bill Belichick is not going to give Spiller the contract that he's looking for. Um, yep. You know, there have been some some rumors and some talks that you know he might go to the Jets. Um, you know, back hmm. back when he, back when he had that monster year, um, his his coach was Chant Gailey, and he is now in New York uh, with the Jets. Looky, looky. And you know, yep. you know, I mentioned earlier that I think that you know a spread offense uh, would work well for Geno Smith because of you know his you know experience in that sort of offense, and I think that sure. that's the exact sort of offensive. You know, scheme that would be a great, great fit for Spiller because they're going to give him those short dump-off passes, try to try to get him a few yards of space so he can work his magic. You know, I think I think that'd be a great landing spot for Spiller. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you here. Um, landing with the Jets would be a very similar situation to what he's had in Buffalo, um, alongside Jackson and the and the other guys. Um, split workload he could have with Ivory. Ivory can handle the rushing down. Spiller could handle the passing down. Spread the offense a little bit. Get down. Get upfield after getting the ball in his hands and make some magic happen. And you'd also have a reduced workload with, as I said before, Chris Ivory's shown he can tote the ball about 200 times. Now the only question is, can he stay healthy? That's all they can hope for. I mean, I, I guess my question is for you right now is if he does end up, uh, you know, on the Jets, who are you drafting higher, Ivory or Spiller? Oh gosh, that's a tough question. Um, I think, I think I'll probably fall into the uh, the same mistake I usually do of drafting for this talent and potential. And Spiller put him in a backfield like the Jets, where he may have an ability to shine. Like Ivory is not a star in the league, but he's a very usable back in the league. If Spiller gets back there, makes something happen in a spread offense, he could be a he could be a top ten back easily. So. He's my answer for who you go after. He may run some from 
you know, grab one and run it in for 20 yards, things like that here and there. There'll be odd touchdowns, just like they were uh, last year and the year before, but he seemed to make a steady number of them when he played. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I, I guess my personal belief is I don't want to... I love guys like Antonio Brown who can score, you know, 80-yard touchdowns, but... But I want the guys who are going to be reliable and who you know they're gonna they're gonna look to go to at the five yard, at the ten yard line. You know, bring those guys in. Sure, that makes sense. When you get down to the goal line, you've got to you've got to trust your backs that can get yourself in. And Chris Ivory's one of those backs. Now, just to look at the numbers last year, real quick, Ivory had 225 combined targets, which puts him at 21st uh, 21st overall in terms of all running backs um, receiving targets. So where would you think you would uh, target him Wait, in a draft? Did you say that year? he had two hundred something targets? Ivory had two hundred and twenty-five targets. What do you mean by that? I'm sorry. Combined targets, rushes, and then passing oh, so targets. Tol- okay, I, I see. I, I didn't. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I was going to say that is insane and completely impossible. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Not not just not okay, receiving gotcha. targets. All right. So, I mean. I don't know. Overall, what are your, what are your thoughts on Spiller? I, I like him a lot as a player, but is is he is he a guy that you're going to be targeting next year? It really all depends on where he signs. If he signs in a place like the Jets, I'll probably target him as like a flex option, a a low end RB two with the ability for him if if everything goes right to be a low end RB one. So what what do you think? In like round four, somewhere around there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, basically round four. All right, uh, who else you got? Who do you want to talk about here? Next guy on my list is a man we all know and love, Ryan Matthews out of San Diego. Yeah, he's uh, he's proven that he's had talent, but he needs to stay healthy like he did in 2014. It would be reasonable for him to sign on to a team that needs a back that can take the workload off of their star, like an Arizona type of team. He could go in there. On a one-year deal like Macklin did last year for Philadelphia, obviously he's a wideout, but same idea. Um, injury-prone player can get on a one-year deal, prove himself, and then cash in the next year. Um, Arizona badly needs a compliment to Ellington because he's smaller. He's shown that he can tote the ball a lot, but he'll probably get hurt if doing it. Very talented guy, but just needs somebody to take the carries off him, and I think Ryan Matthews might be the guy to do it. So you're saying he might end up in Arizona? Yeah, I think so. Wouldn't be a big move for him. Um, good rushing offense down there. Uh, reliable, can be a reliable guy in the backfield when he's healthy. I mean, how, how often is that going to happen, though? He's played one full season since he's been in the league, and he, he only played six games last year. I mean, come on. Is, is anybody really going to pay, pay him a lot of money? No, I don't think a lot of money. That's why I'm saying a one-year try-me-out-see-what-I-can-do deal. Like a $1 million sort of deal, maybe less. You know, about that sort of range. Um, <clears throat> he's shown if he can stay healthy. Like in 2013, though, he toted the ball 285 times, had four and a half yards, put in six touchdowns for San Diego. But that's what I'm saying. You, you lean on Ellington as your lead back. Ryan Matthews is a great complementary sort of running back. He's not going to be a star anywhere. He's he's not really going to be fantasy relevant anywhere, so to speak, except in deeper leagues. But I do think he can have real-life value. Just to look at the numbers, Ellington carried the ball 201 times, caught the ball 46 times, 
he only averaged 3.3 yards on the ground as, as much as might, people might think that Ellington was a great fantasy back last year. And his backups are Kern Williams and Stepfan Taylor. Stephen Taylor. Is it Stepfan? You Steven? need another. How do you say that name? It's, it's spelled so weirdly. I, I, I don't know. It's spelled like Stepfan. I can, I can only assume that, that it's Stephen. I, but I don't know the guy personally, so I guess I, I don't know one way or another. But either way, that's, that's our point. We don't even know the guy's <laughs> name. They need a legitimate a point. backup All right. in Arizona. All right. I mean, I think that would, that would even help uh, Ellington's Valley because I think he creates more damage when when he plays on fewer downs. You know, he's got that explosiveness to to you know break one. You know, every time he touches the ball, I don't think he should be you know a pounder either. I completely agree. He doesn't have the size for it. All right. Um, okay. Who's another guy? Um, so I want to talk about Frank Gore. All right. And sure, it sure. seems like it seems like every single year people have the exact same conversation about Frank Gore. And every mm-hmm. single year, you know, people are like, "Oh, Frank Gore's done." And then he puts out a thousand yards. Yep, one of the tires fall off. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, you know what? I'm going to buck the trend and I say he's got another year or two in him. Yeah, I I actually, it seems like we're agreeing a lot here, but I do agree here, again, with Frank Gore. Now, it completely depends on what team he lands on. If he if he ends up in a good situation, then he's a very viable fantasy option for next year. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I want to take a quick look at his stats first. Um, yeah, absolutely. Over the last four seasons, he hasn't missed a single game, despite, you know, turning 22 in what is it april may or something sometime this year so he's gonna he, yeah 32 I so think, he's right? gonna be 32 years old but yeah. you know the last four years he's put up 1200 1200 1100 and 1100 yards on the ground and that is insane for a guy that old yeah i agree and the only thing that limited limited him to that number last year was that they started leaning on height right and you know the only reason he was really disappointing as a fantasy back last year is because he only had four touchdowns now you know i just don't know because people always say that adrian peterson is a freak of nature that he you know he came back from that acl and just had a career year but I mean, I think I think you put Frank Gore right in that same category. This guy just he doesn't he doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, absolutely, both freaks. Any NFL team would be lucky to own both either. So I guess you know what are the odds that you know San Francisco is going to sign him to a smaller deal and just you know keep him there? You know he's played there his entire career. Do they really want you know a situation where you know one of the faces of their franchise gets let go? I don't know that they want that, so to speak, but I don't know that they actually care about that either. That happens all the time. I mean, Peyton left Indy and went to Denver, and he's the face of Denver now. Nobody thought that was going to happen. Favre left uh, Green Bay. So Gore can very easily leave San Francisco. And I don't think it's that the Niners aren't going to want to bring him back on a smaller deal because, as I'm sure we'll talk about, the Niners are at need for, for another running back because after Gore leaves, they've got Hyde who has a lot of numbers to replace in terms of Gore leaving, and then Kendall Hunter right behind him, who was injured all of last year. I believe he got hurt first game or in the preseason. 
but it's not a matter of San Francisco wanting him back. It's a matter of I think Gore can get bigger money if he goes somewhere else. I mean, do you do you think he's chasing money at this point in his career though? Because you know, I obviously I don't know the guy, but you know, I've seen a couple interviews with him, and he seems very, very motivated to one. He wants to win, and two, you know, he he seems like a pretty loyal guy to me. Do you really think that San Francisco can't toss him a couple million for a one-year deal? I hope they can, because I like to see. I'm I'm a little more old school. I I like to see players stay where they are, you know, keep their fan base and keep the people happy, keep giving them what they want. But money talks, and if somebody gives them offers up a lot more than the 49ers do, then I mean I can't hate them for leaving at all. All right. Well, I mean I I think that you know look at what Steven Jackson was able to do this year. Even though he's getting older, he he's still got that power and that you know that just unwillingness to go down even when guys are all over him I think that Frank Gore you know just he, he's got a nose for the end zone if you, if you give it to him near the goal line you know as, as much as I like Carlos Hyde and I think he's going to be a great back I, I, I think they, they, they started Carlos Hyde a little too early when Gore still had plenty in the tank yeah I agree there the best landing spot for Gore would be to stay in San Francisco at the time um, they, it'll be split touches, but he's reliable there. He knows the team. He fits in well with the team. He knows how to run there. You know, you know. speaking of comparing him with Steven Jackson, his contract in Atlanta is up, too. You know, I mean, do you, do you think Atlanta's yep. learned from their mistakes of, you know, signing older backs, or do you think they take a shot at Gore? Because, you know, their running backs need help. Because, personally, I'm not a huge Devontae Freeman fan, and... You know, I, I don't know that Jaquiz Rogers is, is the answer, or even Anton Smith, even though he broke those crazy, crazy touchdown runs. I think you have to take every back differently. Steven Jackson just may not be the monster that Frank Gore is. He just may not be the genetic freak. So looking at a guy like Gore, I don't think should be out of the realm of possibilities with them. I mean, I, personally, I, I'd love that if, if he doesn't stay in San Francisco because I think that's exactly the kind of guy that, that Matt Ryan needs. Yeah, reliable in the backfield, knows how to pass block, knows what he's doing back there. It would be a good landing spot. All right. Um, who's another guy that you want to talk about? All right, let's talk a little bit about Justin Forsett. A 30-year-old running back who came out of nowhere last year um, to make great production out in Baltimore. Now, this guy's a five-foot-eight running back entering his age 30 season. He's going to want a long-term contract, which I don't see happening. He's a 30-year-old running back. Nobody's going to sign him for a, for a multi-year deal. I think it's likely that he stays in Baltimore. He'll probably explore the free agent market, but nobody's going to give him what he wants, and nobody's going to give him more than Baltimore is going to give him after he produced for them. What do you think about that? I mean, I guess my concern is, I agree that, you know, I think Baltimore is going to want to re-sign him. Um, probably not to a huge deal, but probably about, you know, the same money that any other team is going to offer him. But, yeah. I mean, he's bounced around the league. He was in, what, Seattle for a few years, and then, you know, mm-hmm. before Baltimore, he was out in Jacksonville, and obviously that's, you know, that's where running backs go to die. Yeah, that's true. He was he's been around the league, he's been a backup, he hasn't been a star anywhere. But he's shown that maybe he's got a little bit left inside him, maybe he can do something. He doesn't have much tread on his body since he's been a backup for all of his career until this year. 
But I, I guess again, how much how much of his success this year was due to Kubiak's zone blocking offense? And are they going to keep that with Tressman there now as the OC? You know, that's an excellent point, actually. You know, I, I guess I guess it kind of evens out because even if they do move away from the zone blocking, I mean, Forsett could catch you know ninety passes. You know, if if he's Tressman's running back, I mean, look at look at what Matt Forte did this year. Yeah, that was that was completely ludicrous. I don't know if any running back is going to have that many catches again, but maybe that's just where the league's moving, especially if Trestman keeps getting hired by well, teams. Well, I mean, obviously, Forsett's going to going to share some time with Pierce or whoever it's going to be, you know, behind him. Right. Uh, I mean, Forte is one of those golden running backs in in fantasy who just you know dominates all the touches for a team, and that that's very rare. And I don't see that happening for Justin Forsett. Um, but even sure. if he, you know, even if he catches, you know, fifty passes, that that's going to make him a pretty, pretty high end running back too, probably. Yeah. So let, assuming he stays in Baltimore, you're thinking running back two. What sort of round would you take? You know, in PPR, I would take him higher um, than in standard, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I don't think I would draft four set until at least round three or four. There, there are just too many questions with him for me. And, and because, you know, normally a guy can come out of nowhere, but I trust that a little more if it's, you know, an undrafted free agent who breaks out, you know, in their first couple of years. I honestly think that a lot of Forsett's production this past season was because of Kubiak. And I just don't know if Baltimore is going to keep that. Yeah, I'm a little higher on him than you are, actually. Uh, I think with Trustman, that should elevate his value in a PPR league specifically. Obviously more so than a, a regular league because you're getting those extra points for the balls he's going to catch undoubtedly in a, a Trustman offense. So you're saying you're, you're saying that you would trust Justin Forsett as your running back one next year? I mean, where are you drafting him in, in the you know end of the first? No, no, definitely not under the first. But I think a late second round is a good target for him in a in a, in a points per reception league, um, because looking at it, Baltimore has Torrey Smith, Steve Smith, Marlon Brown. Well, they might. So those have are decent targets. That that's true. We'll discuss that when we when we get into our wideouts. Assuming assuming things stay the same, they have Torrey St- Smith, Steve Smith, and that sort of downfield production just sort of bodes well for things getting open for Justin Smith underneath. Justin Forsett. I think they've Justin got Forsett. there in Baltimore. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, while we're on the topic of Justin Forsett, I just want to talk real quick, too, about Ray Rice. Um, oh, I gosh. Mean, what, what do you think is going to happen? Is, is any team going to want to take a chance on Rice? If I was running a team, I would not touch that public relations nightmare. I, I wouldn't want it, but Maybe he's got something in the tank. He's still relatively young. I don't want him on my team, but maybe you there's people that do. You don't think any NFL team is going to take a chance? I mean, I, I I think that you know the PR hit would be very very temporary. You know, people. You know, Vic is back in the league. Ray Lewis is in, was in the league after you know all that murder trial business. You really think that you know him hitting his wife in the elevator is going to stop an NFL team? You know, however bad that was from, you know, taking a shot at him, if they're desperate for a running back? I actually do, because I think his case is a little bit different. Ray Lewis was many years ago. Um, Ray Rice has kind of emerged as the guy that Goodell is 
using as an example for the league as to how he deals with things. And this is this is uh, Sheriff Goodell's <laughs> yard, and watch how you play okay. it. All right. Well, that, that's that's fair. I mean, personally, you know, you know, all all personal opinions aside about what he did. I, I still think Rice is, is a top ten back in the league in terms of skill, and I think I think I have no idea who, but I think some team is going to have him on their roster next year. Hmm. Interesting. I guess I guess we'll just have to wait and see. All right. Well, that, that's enough about Rice. Let's uh, let's move on here. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to Forsyth just for one one minute. Let's assume he doesn't stay in uh, in Baltimore. I think if Dallas misses on Murray, that they might go after Forsett in just some sort of desperation attempt to grab the next top running back out of the class. And where I don't think he's the next best guy, the numbers he put up were unmistakable last year. And he might be a decent fit in Dallas. Yeah, you know, know, um, real quick, I just want to share something that Dan just brought to my attention. Um, Apparently, a report just came out that uh, Adrian Peterson told the Vikings that he wants to play for the Cowboys next year. Really? Um, Apparently, he's quoted as uh, saying that he was uneasy about returning to the Vikings because of, you know, how things were handled between his suspension and then being on the exempt list. Wow. And uh, supposedly, he's said to the Vikings that he wants to play for the Cowboys. Now, that would be something that would be interesting right there man i mean I, I, we're talking about free agents right now but i you know real quick on peterson i i think if he goes to the cowboys i would not hesitate to take peterson first overall yep yeah, i mean we have to take time to talk about him he's been for the for the last foreseen number of years the consensus number one running back in the entire league that would probably be a dream scenario for Jason Garrett and everybody down there. Tony Romo is is probably you know having sweet dreams for I mean, the next forget, few months. Forget uh, forget Romo happen. and Garrett. If if I have Adrian Peterson yep. on the Cowboys and on my fantasy team, that's my dream scenario. Well, okay, that's fine. I guess that's what we're discussing here. Huh? I mean, you don't think that he would just be an absolute monster behind that line? I mean, look at what he's done. You know so far in his career and, and he's had basically a year off assuming he's been you know keeping himself conditioned i mean that's that's a ton of rest for him he's he's raring to go i guarantee you i don't see there's i don't see how there's any way he's not a five, top five back next year if that does happen if he does land in dallas and especially with the way they've been running through the running back and tossing balls to him in a ppr league He's easily a top three drafted back, probably top two. I I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I wouldn't hesitate to take him first overall if I had that pick. Wow. So thanks, Dan, for that. Wow. That should, that that could, that's a landscape change. Yeah. That I mean happens. that. I mean, Jarek McKinnon's uh, value might may have just gone up too, but we'll we'll talk about him, you know, later when. Well, let's get back to the free that, That's true. That's right true. Now. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. We, we don't right want to get uh, too off topic. No, that's well, true. Right, let's continue on. Um, sure. How about how about Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen? You know, those are two guys who are both free agents. Yeah. You know what? What is New England going to do? Do they want either of them back? One of them? What do you What do you think? So I think there's two different cases for for both different guys. Vereen, well, I'll talk about second, but I'll just mention him first. I think they would want him back, but I think he's shown that he's worth money somewhere, and I don't think the Pats are going to give him that money. Ridley, I think they can part ways with him. Um, there's no real reason for him, them to keep him. They've got Blunt back there, and they've got Jonas Gray. 
while he's in the doghouse for some sort of backstage incident, he's shown that he can produce. Clearly, he had a monster, monster game. He holds Patriots rushing records for that one game. Now, Ridley himself has got to come back and heal well from ACL, MCL double injury. And he's also got a well-documented history of his own fumbling issues. Um, I think his sort of deal that he's going to get signed to is going to be much like Ryan Matthews, what I'm thinking for him, like a one-year see-what-you-can-do deal. And if you do well, we'll give you bigger money. He's had over 200 touches twice in his career, but I don't think he's going to be counted on to produce uh, for a contender. I think that would be a mistake for anybody. Um, in terms of teams that he might end up on, I could see him going into like a supplemental role in like Miami, uh, maybe Arizona, like I talked about for Ryan Matthews, as a power back behind Ellington. But Miami is a compliment to Lamar Miller. Um, maybe Oakland... Uh, just because Latavius Murray, while he looks great, he, do, he does need a backup. And Ridley could provide a reasonable backup situation for him. You know, I mean, I've always been pretty high on Ridley. I, I think he's a phenomenal back. Um, you know, I, I think that if New England had showcased him a little bit more, that people would be more, you know, inclined to agree on that. But I, I think that he's a solid runner and that's assuming you know, that he recovers from his injury, which, you know, I, th I think the, the odds are pretty good with how medicine is nowadays that he can recover. You know, I, I would be, I would take him, you know, as my running back three, running back four, depending on, you know, what his ADP is, you know, next year. As your running back three, four, you said? Yeah, because I think, you know, in the right situation, he's, I don't want to say top 10, but I want to say he can be a top 15 back in fantasy. Well, what sort of right situation are you talking? You think he's going to be a starter for a team? Um, I think it's possible. Um, I mean, look at... look at. I want to say it's not the same situation, but if Ben Tate had been able to produce in Cleveland, I don't, I don't think that they really would have brought in Crowell or West you know, to, to share time. I think it would have been the Ben Tate show had he been able to stay healthy. And I, I think that, you know, if Ridley passes his, you know, medical exams and, you know, in training camp and the preseason, he shows that he's still got it. I, I don't think that whichever team takes a chance on him, you know, wouldn't give him the, the majority of carries. Okay. Any teams you're thinking? Um, you know... That's tough because I just don't know. It's all—it's always hard to gauge a Patriots running back just because, you know, we've seen him more of a runner than a, a pass catcher. But again, how much of that is the system and how much of that is his actual inability to catch? I don't, I don't know that he can't catch. Um, sure, sure. He hasn't really needed to because Vereen's been there for most of his career, right, too. Right, exactly. And, and, I mean, Stephen Ridley's still such a young guy. What is he, like 25 years old? Yeah, I mean, just about. Uh, or I, I guess he's 26, uh, I've been informed. But, um, you know, that's, okay. that's not that old. And, and more importantly, going back to, you know, what, what, what we were talking about when we were discussing DeMarco Murray... I don't. I don't know that age is as much a factor as usage, and and Ridley's only touched the ball, you know, fewer than seven hundred times in his career. 
I mean, he really doesn't have a whole lot of tread, um, you know, worn off on his tires. I, I think that he's got plenty left in the tank and that, you know, as long as he's given that opportunity, I think, I think Ridley's going to shine next year. Sure. So maybe a four set type of player where he goes in, uh, where he's been, you know, not the necessary, not necessarily the starter, more of a, more of a, uh, combination one two punch or all out number two guy comes out into a good situation and puts up top 10 back numbers. I don't think sure. that's out of the and question. actually, you know, you mentioned that Matthews uh, might do a one year sort of prove it deal with Arizona. I think Ridley could just as easily. I, uh, if I were Arizona, I think I would want Steven Ridley over Ryan Matthews because I, I think they're both talented runners, but you know, prior to his ACL tear. You know, Ridley had only missed two games. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, they're going to have to take a long look at that for sure. Now, what do you think about the uh, the other New England back, Vereen? Um, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure um, because, again, Bill Belichick's shown that he does not want to pay his running backs. Um, he views them as interchangeable commodities, and he's always been ahead of the curve because, you know, that, that's just how the league is moving now. Um, but really, I mean, how would I don't think the Patriots would have won the Super Bowl if they didn't have Shane Vereen. He gives them so much versatility as a pass catcher running those, you know, underneath routes where he just, you know, makes one cut and, you know, the linebacker can't keep up with him. Yeah, what did he have? Fifteen catches, I think. It was uh, yeah, was. something like that. It was definitely in the double digits. But uh... yeah, it, it was the Shane Vereen show. If you if you bet on uh, receptions by Shane Vereen, took the over. You you were definitely winning. Yeah, for sure. And you know, but I mean, even being an integral part of that win, I don't think Belichick's going to shell out the money to keep him. Um, I mean, they gotta they gotta work out contracts with uh you know revis with mccordy you know they got to keep that defense together if they can you know that that was a huge part of what got them to the super bowl i don't know that they can spend that much on vereen so what sort of team do you think would want to spend that much on vereen you know what would be interesting um i think it would be a total rex ryan move um to try to grab him (laughs) um Kind of a giant middle finger to you know Belichick and the Patriots. I think it's the exact sort of thing that he might try to do. Um, you know, yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. That that uh, I would probably smile to see uh, Shane Green signs. Yeah, with Buffalo. you know how much you know maybe they bring back Fred Jackson for one more year um, because he's shown sure. that you know even though he's a good pass catcher, Fred Jackson is a bigger guy and he can he can run between the tackles. And, mm-hmm. you know, do, do they really trust, you know, Bryce Brown? We didn't, we didn't really see much of him at all last year. I and mean, I think there's a reason for that. Right. So I, I think the Bills would be very interesting. Um, outside of that, you know, we, we've seen time and time again that division, rhino, ah, excuse me, division rivals like to sign, you know, talented guys. I could see him going to the Jets, too. They got plenty of money. You know, he's a great, great compliment, Vereen is, to, you know, Chris Ivory. I think that's you know a great thunder and lightning combo right there. I could see the the Bills or the Jets taking a shot at him. Yeah, I could I could see a player wanting to sign within the division too, just as sick of the past for not wanting to pay him. I could see that anytime. I mean, that would I think that would make for very interesting games between between the Jets and the uh, 
Patriots or the Bills and the Patriots trying to trying to get uh, you know Jamie Collins or whichever linebacker to cover Vereen. You know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's a whole it's a whole different thing uh, covering a guy in practice than covering him in a game. Yeah, and it, and it's not uh, it's not really out of that realm of possibility with with Buffalo having both Spiller and Fred Jackson their top two backs as uh, free agents, and then Chris Johnson's obviously out of New York, and then Bilal Powell, who was who would be the backup filling in behind Chris Ivory, he's a free agent this year too. So if they don't bring him back, they're gonna need to fill up somebody. Yeah, I uh, absolutely agree. All right, um, let's uh, let's talk about Roy Hallou. What uh, what do you think about him? You know, he hasn't you know he hasn't been showcased a whole lot playing behind Morris in Washington, but you know he he could be a very productive back given the opportunity, don't you think? Yeah, I do think so. Actually, uh, last year, let's just take a look at the numbers he put up last year in. Washington. Last year he had 40 rushes for 5.4 yards per carry, but he had 42 catches on 47 uh, targets, which is nice. So he could uh, sneakily sign somewhere and be a great, great uh, player, especially in PPR. But if he gets the opportunity to start, who knows what he can turn that into with his pass-catching ability and his ability to run the football. Now, he's been uh, overshadowed by Alfred Morris. He's obviously a better, uh, you know, between the tackles and traditional running back. But this guy said he was 50-50 on staying on Washington this year, more or less. Um, there there might be teams willing to commit more snaps to his talent, give him some more rushes out of the backfield instead of just using him as a passing down back. Um, he could be a great fit in a place sort of like Atlanta uh, if they let Jackson go. Um, give him a few rushes, see what happens, get the ball out to him. Matt Ryan threw the ball a ton to running backs out of the backfield last year. Uh, he had more or less 120 uh, targets to running backs. So in terms of fantasy value, if he ends up on a team and starts, I think he's a, he's a potential high-end number two running back in his first year on a new team. But if he stays in Washington, he's going to continue to be overshadowed by, by L. Morris possibly have a little bit of flex value in a PPR league, but probably not even worth an own. Uh, maybe worth an own of stash in a standard league. I mean, again, again, it goes back to, you know, a player versus a scheme. I mean, there's no guarantee that Washington wouldn't necessarily use him more, but I just don't think that they view him as a priority. I don't, I don't know that they're going to really try to re-sign Roy Hallou. Um, I think it's likely that he looks for that big money contract, and he's he's out the door. And I couldn't blame him. He's a talented guy. Let him see what he can do. See if he can uh, increase his earning potential. Absolutely. Okay. Um, anything else? Uh, How about if? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, another interesting thing, just to bring up the Jets again. I know we're talking about them a lot, but they do need a running back. Uh, they threw to Powell and Chris, and Chris Johnson 50 times in the backfield. Those targets might look pretty good coming Halou's way. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I think that Halou is faster than he looks. Um, and I think that, you know, you get him out in space and he, he makes it happen. Sure, sure. All right, let's see. What uh, Next on my list is Ahmad Bradshaw. Uh, have anything on him? Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on him a little bit uh, when we were talking about the yeah. Colts, and, and 
I mean, honestly, I don't know how they don't re-sign Ahmad Bradshaw. I mean, I know that he's always hurt, and I mean, he's 29, but... You know, is, is is anybody really gonna pay him big money? You know, doesn't he want to stay where he's gonna be used? You know, in Indy, where you know he averaged three point eight receptions per game, and and obviously I don't think that he's gonna be as good in fantasy, you know, this coming year as he was last year because, I mean, he had a ton of receiving touchdowns in the games that he was healthy. I th- I think he had something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he missed six games, but I think in the games that he played, he had six receiving touchdowns, and that's that's a huge amount. I, I don't I don't see that happening again. Especially, you know, part of that was when Dwayne Allen was hurt too, and he's he's one of Luck's go-to you know goal line looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, honestly, though, I, I don't see why Indy wouldn't re-sign him for you know a small contract, let's say like a million dollars. Yeah, he's shown that he's developed good rapport with Luck. He grabbed those touchdowns that you were talking about, and he and Boom Heron showed that they can they can uh, create a decent one-two punch out of the backfield uh, in the second half of the season last year after they after they moved on from uh, good old T. Rich. Right. I mean, what's what else are they going to do? You know, are they really going to use Vic Ballard? Right. I don't think that's really a question <laughs> at this point. I mean, I think if if they don't take a big splash on a on a better running back like I talked about before, then I think Bradshaw's really the guy they've got to keep on their team. I mean, Trent Richardson's got to just be gone, right? I mean, you really think that Indy is going to keep him around? He's got one more year left on his deal, but, I mean, look at what he's done, or rather, I should say, what he's failed to do. Yeah, he's he's failed to do a lot, like like uh, own up to what they, they sent a first-rounder for him to the Browns. The Browns spent a first-rounder on him in the draft. He had a decent first year with the Browns. Um, I don't remember if he was rookie of the year or not, but he did have a good year with the Browns. But then the Browns knew what they had, shipped him, and... Uh, and he picked up their trash. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? Our one man's trash is another man's trash, however you want to look at it. <laughs> well, it depends whether or not we're talking about Trent Richardson. Yeah, I, I guess. And, and in this case, I mean, we are. I'm not going to say that, you know, Indy lied, but do you really think that, you know, he wasn't started in the playoff for, you know, because he was sick or for personal reasons? I mean, come on. No, I, I think that when you're in the playoffs and when, when you're in an organization like the Colts and you're trying to win games to make it to the Super Bowl, you're going to put the best players in a position to make the best plays. Obviously, that that's a cliche, but that's just how football boils down. You, you, you're not going to, you know, that's the long and short of it. You're going to put who needs to be there, who needs to be there. All right, well, I think we broke our promise and we, we went back to talking about Trent Richardson and we're going we're gonna to move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything else you wanted to add about Bradshaw? No, that, that's really it. I covered I covered him back uh, in the Murray segment, and, and that's that's really what I think is going to happen with Bradshaw. Either he signs with, uh, he's probably just going to stick with uh, Indianapolis, and if he doesn't, then he will be uh, he'll be a, re- a usable backup um, for another team. Uh, Pittsburgh's a team that badly needs a backup to Le'Veon Bell, so that's a possible oh, that's uh, target. 
but that's only if. It, yeah, I, I, I think uh, Bell obviously is the bell cow there. No pun intended. That was really unintended. <laughs> but he's going to carry the whole workload. But just in case something happens, Bradshaw's shown that while he's injury prone, he can carry the rock. All right. Well, speaking of injury prone running backs, um, I think I know where you're going. Uh, let's talk about Run DMC, Mr. Darren McFadden. Oh gosh, if we gotta, we gotta. Um, Oakland, of course, is not uh, not too thrilled with with Mr. McFadden. They spent a first rounder on him years ago. He's never really quite uh, worked out. He'll be a uh, by committee running back no matter where he goes, either that or a backup. He's not going to be a first rounder signed anywhere. He may have some decent value if he finds himself on a good team. He's another guy that could be the sort of backup to Bell in uh, Pittsburgh or maybe even a team like Washington. If Halou leaves, he could be a decent backup to Al Morris. Yeah. But that's But that said, he's still even even in the best of scenarios, he's still a long shot RB uh running back three or flex play. Um he could always touch the ball, but I don't see any reason for uh, Oakland to really care to re sign him. Um Latavius Murray, I think I, I feel real great about Latavius Murray Murray coming into this next year. And I think Darren McFadden will just uh distract the distract the backfield from giving the ball to Latavius. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about uh, Darren McFadden. Quite honestly, I don't even really want to talk about him. But, uh, you know, he's he's got that blazing <laughs> speed, and he's only 27 years old. Um, I mean, the problem is he this guy just cannot stay healthy. I mean, who's going who's gonna to trust him to be, you know, what he was that one season back in, what was it, like 2009, 2010? It was, yeah. I mean, that was his one season where he was productive, and, and since then, he's just been a constant disappointment. You know, he he actually played all 16 games this year for the first time in his career, but, man, his stats yep. sure don't seem like it. No, he, he only carried the ball 155 times, uh, averaging 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, just for a comparison, and it's a small sample size, but Murray carried the ball 82 times, garnered 5.2 yards per carry so i'm just very high on murray i i don't want to gush too much about him because we're not talking about him right now but uh either way Darren mcfadden had uh 255 carries and 55 targets uh receiving so those those targets are gonna have to go somewhere and those carries are gonna have to go somewhere murray only had 105 so they're gonna need a backup in uh in Oakland, but I don't see any way that it's Darren McFadden staying there. All right. Well, also on a side note, I think we've solved the mystery of who uh, who sent uh, Latavius Murray those flowers from his secret admirer. <laughs> oh gosh, let's uh, but, guilty yeah, as charged. I, mean, I, I think I'm not I'm not touching McFadden in fantasy unless he ends up somewhere ridiculous, like if for some reason Dallas signed him or you know something unlikely like that. Without a miracle happening. Uh, there's there's no reason there's no reason to have this guy in your radar, especially in standard ten team leagues. He's he's a complete afterthought. Um, let's uh, let's talk about another guy who's been injured here and there. Had some put up some decent numbers along the way. Uh, no, Sean Moreno. Yeah, you know, I don't know what it is about Moreno, but I just I do not think he is that good. Um, you know, hmm, okay. he had that insane. 
uh, first game against New England this year. Um, I mean, he put mm-hmm. up, what, I think it was close to 150 yards, something like that. Um, but for some reason, I, I think it was, you know, the year before that, too, when he was still in Denver, he just seems to mm-hmm. be the Patriots' kryptonite. I don't know why, but he he seems to always just blow up against them. And, yeah, I mean, but overall, like, again, he's another guy that, are you going to trust him for, you know, the entire season? If anything, he's he's still a compliment. I don't think anybody's going to be signing him to big money and, you know, making him the workhorse. Sure, Patriots kryptonite might be the exact reason that Miami signed him. And there's two other teams that play the Patriots twice a year, so there, there could I, we've talked about those two teams a lot, but they do need a running back. Yeah, I mean, do you think that he's going to stay in Miami? No, I, I don't think he's going to stay in Miami. I think they're probably going to give Miller um, a bigger role here. And Noshan really didn't, I mean, he was hurt for, he was either hurt or didn't play for vast majority of the season. So the, the value for him in Miami really isn't there. He only t- he only carried the ball 31 times, and the majority of them were in that New England game. Yeah, I just don't I don't know who's gonna pay big money for a guy like Noshan Moreno. I mean, I mean, there are certainly teams that can use him as a backup, but I don't know that he's gonna be a starter anywhere. Do you? No, in terms of in terms of fantasy relevance, because that's that's our that's our key here. I don't really find him very fantasy relevant. The only thing that can happen is he signs on as a backup or compliment in a place like Arizona, in a place like New York, in a place like Buffalo, and then an injury happens to their starter. If that happens and he stays healthy, then there's there's possible for a high-end RB2. But all that has to fall in place for him. So you're saying basically he's going to be a handcuff somewhere. Yeah, exactly. What about, uh, you mentioned earlier, what about uh, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh's an interesting spot, but any running back who, run, who lands in Pittsburgh just isn't going to have value unless Bell gets hurt, which which will probably make Bell's handcuff possibly the, the number one, number two handcuff in, in the draft next year. Well, not necessarily, because I think you have guys, a little off topic real quick, but I, I think you have handcuffs like Niall Davis who are going to get a bunch of carries and catches when the main guy is out, and then you're going to have other murky situations where it's likely to be a split. So it's not even for sure that, you know, if Moreno were to back up somebody, that he would be the guy if, you know, a guy like Le'Veon Bell went down. So, again, that's that's tough for, that's tough to say. Yeah, but the guy's averaged more or less 4.5 4. yards per carry over his whole career, which, I mean, that's that's pretty decent for a backup. I mean, I, I don't disagree, but I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I'm not a no Sean Moreno guy is all. Oh, I'm, I'm not a no Sean Moreno guy. It's just if he lands somewhere, it, the, if he's there, you grab him. That's what it is. Well, my other, my other concern has always been, you know, how much of that high, you know, yards per carry for Moreno is due to you know, his actual talent. Because, you know, obviously in 2013, when he had that monster top five running back season, you know, it was, you know, in large part due to the Peyton effect. Yeah, the Peyton effect is strong in this one. And I I just want to throw out real quick also that, you know, he had, I think, looking at his stats real quick, back in 
2010, 2011. Uh, or, well, here, I'll just start from the beginning. Noshan Moreno, in 2009, his first season in the league, he had, he had a 3.8 yards per carry average. All right. Now, when, when they got Tebow in 2010 and 2011, his yards per carry, or Moreno's yards per carry, shot up to 4.3 and 4.8. All right. Now, after... After Tebow left, he went back down to 3.8, and then in Peyton's historic year, he went back up to 4.3. So, yeah. you know, honestly, you know, I'm not saying that that's a direct correlation of the quarterback, but I think he's been helped out a ton because, you know, defenses had to account for Tebow taking off, and then obviously they were more concerned with shutting down Peyton than Moreno. Yeah, that's true. He's a system running back, but... He, he's always he's always been a talented guy. If, if he can if he can make it happen with the right team, then if somebody goes down, somebody gets hurt. I still think he has he has high end RB two value. Okay, that's that's fair. Yep. All right. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's finish off our talk about free agent running backs with the one and only CJ two K. Let's let's talk a little bit about Chris Johnson real quick. Um, I mean, obviously, New York decided that they didn't want him back. What do you think happens to Chris Johnson? Well, first of all, let, let's let's give the guy the credit that he, that he truly deserves. He's he's CJ zero point six six K. He he hit two thousand yards, of course, back in twenty oh nine when everybody. Everybody thought he was the next big thing. He followed up with 1,300. And then he, he's had 1,000 yards every year until this last year. But those are all with Tennessee. Um, the Jets didn't think that he had a home there. Uh, he's been publicly criticizing the Jets. He's not coming back to the Jets. So that's just not going to happen. Um, there's been some talk, actually, though. He's been he's been linked to Baltimore if uh, Fursette does not come back. So that's an interesting thought right there. Baltimore can get him in the background with Pierce, uh, Taliaferro. That, that would just be an interesting situation altogether. Um, ideally, this guy's a timeshare back. Um, he clearly looked like the number two behind Ivory last year, and that's not really saying much because Chris Ivory is not, is, not a, uh, is not a top five back by anybody's estimation in the league. Well, I don't, I don't know that he was clearly worse than Ivory last year because, I mean, he had, he had some flashes where Chris Johnson still looked pretty good. Now, he actually averaged 4.3 yards per carry as opposed to Ivory's 4.1. Now, obviously, he had uh, fewer carries, but not by much. You know, I, I, Ivory ran the ball 198 times and Johnson ran at 155. So I don't know that all the Chris Johnson doubters are correct in saying that he's just done. I mean, we're talking about a guy who ran, you know, the fastest 40 ever at the combine. You know, the, I understand that that speed might not be there anymore, but he, I think he's still got a chance to turn this around. So I take it that means you're a Chris Johnson guy. You know... I am. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that he's ever going to hit two thousand yards again. But I. Oh, think... I know he won't. I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, that's fair. But I'm saying that you know he can still be very productive if given the chance and given the right opportunity. 
So, so similar discussion to a lot of the backs that we've had today. Given the right chance, given the right team, given the right opportunity, they can produce and they can be usable uh, options. And we'll go into this more in a, in a later episode when we talk strictly about um, running backs and how the value is. Just in terms of the muddled middle of running back talent, you, you feel like Chris Johnson is, is a similar case? Yeah, but for the record, I mean, obviously it all, a lot depends on, you know, situation, but I think that a team is more likely to sign Chris Johnson for a starting role than they would for McFadden or Moreno or any of the other guys that we really talked about before him. Um, I, I, I think that I think that he has a much, much higher likelihood of being given another opportunity just because of what he's been able to do. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. I guess we're just going to have to see. I mean, t- to your point, he... He did have 4.3 yards, although he only had one touchdown last year, and that just shows me that the Jets, at the very least, thought Ivory was the, was the better guy. Yeah, but, I mean, since when is Rex Ryan and a great offensive mind? I mean, the guy has great defenses, but, I mean, he he, he really ran New York into the ground after hey, you, his you first You lay off seasons. Rex Ryan. No, I, right. <laughs> I love Rex Ryan as, as a person and, and as a coach, but he is... And he has some amazing defensive schemes and blitzes that just catch people off guard. But, I mean, he, he did not manage that offense correctly. And, and honestly, as you said, you know, Chris Johnson only had the one rushing touchdown last year. But, I mean, that was because they brought Ivory in at the goal line. That's true. And where do you score touchdowns? At the goal line. <laughs> yes, thank you. I appreciate that, Mr. John Mann. All right, well, that's all we really have for free agent running backs. Uh, on our next couple of episodes, we're going to talk about you know, the other positions in free agency, quarterbacks, wideouts, tight ends. Um, I think eventually we're going to try to do a quick uh, first three-round mock draft just so you know, we have an idea of you know, who we're valuing right now. And then, obviously, the combine's going on right now, and later on we're going to do some rookie talk. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to next episode, uh, seeing how in-depth we can get on on wide receivers and everything else. Um, if you guys have questions for the podcast, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I'm Nick Jurgelis, at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S, on Twitter. Mung is at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. Uh, Dan's at FFA underscore D-A-N, Dan. I think you all know how to spell that, right? Well, it's been a slice. Uh, thanks, addicts. Oh, and when you send us your questions, be sure to mark them hashtag FFAQs. Fantasy Football Addict Questions. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight.